DJ and PK, it's 97.5 at 1280 The Zone. It's time to welcome back Steve Cleveland, our basketball insider, the former Cougar coach. Steve, good morning. Morning. So, I want you to put on the old coaching hat and answer a question that uh, our folks have been answering on uh, social media all morning and are, quite frankly, all over the map on. And that is, with the Jazz splitting two games in Florida, in a way, is it sort of good to have them lose a few until the playoffs? They've lost so few that when people lose one, when they lose one, people really cringe. So, is there a silver lining to these losses that are getting sprinkled in? Well, I, you know, I mean, there's silver linings to everything. I don't think as a coach do you ever uh, – you, I mean, you can find good in losses, and uh, especially if it's uh, it's been something that uh, as you've practiced or you've watched over time that uh, you've gotten away with it. And may, maybe, you know, defensively your adjustments, maybe it's uh, your unselfishness with the ball, maybe it's just effort. I mean, sometimes uh, that's not the worst thing in the world. Teams need wake-up calls, and, and they realize that, hey, you know what, uh, you've got to have more of an attention to detail here. You're going to have some losses, and you grow from them and learn from them. I mean, anytime you lose a game, uh, everything gets put under the microscope. I mean, that's just that's the nature of coaches and organizations. And you, you usually, after a loss, can become better because you, you're watching so much film you're overanalyzing everything, but you know I, I don't ever think that you can find good in losing. But I don't think anybody gets up in the morning thinking, you know, what if we lose this game? That's all right. We need that. Uh, we need to get these guys' attention. Uh, I think what you do, what good coaches do, and what good players do is they learn from their mistakes. Recognize it's a long season. There's lots of travel, a lot of you know, the dynamics of COVID and all the, the protocol things going on. I think we, as coaches, players, uh, we understand it a little bit more, but I don't think we want to get to the point where uh, we accept it. And, and, and it's okay. It's okay when that happens. You know, I mean, I, I think that's a slippery slope. Uh, but certainly there are nights when we don't play well, and you can look at it very clearly, whether it's offensively or defensively, uh, or coaches, you know, adjustments. You, you, you look back and go, okay, we got to be better. So yeah, we get, but you can get better from losing. There's no question about it. But I don't know anybody that goes into that. I, I'd rather win ugly, and uh, than lose and feel like I, you know, there was a lesson learned there. I, you know, you try to win every game, and that's what you're doing. And nights that you don't shoot it well, you don't execute well. Uh, you can still get. I think it's easier to get into a team that wins ugly, makes mistakes, uh, than it is one that uh, that loses and all of a sudden starts down that slide. So uh, you can look at it either way. I mean, I you, you look. You, the key thing is that you learn, you evaluate, assess, you watch film, you have conversations. You know that kind of culture in any organization is always going to get better. And you know, I mean, Utah's twenty-seven and seven. Eight and two in their last ten games, uh, you know they got a four-game lead. I, I think people should be pretty happy about that. I don't think there's anybody on the planet that thought they would have a four-game lead in the West uh, come March first. I just don't think that's what anybody thought. If they did, I don't think they're being honest with us. But uh, they—that's where they are. 
and, and they did have a you know a couple of a uh, couple of losses that were a little bit ugly, but for the most part, that this team has been really really good. So at this time of year in the NBA, we're at the halfway point. Colleges were towards the end, so it's drastically different. And I'll get to college in a second, but I want to ask you first about the NBA playing well versus peaking because playing well is good in midway through the season but peaking seems like it's almost like a negative connotation is there a difference there between playing well and peaking to the point of being concerned you know i mean i I think that as you watch it if you look you take all the the dynamics of, of winning and you look at your team and then you evaluate your team uh, sometimes you know that you've gotten away with maybe uh, not the effort you should have had, not the execution you should have had, and uh, and those things can be a little bit alarming. It's kind of like you, you, you're constantly telling you guys, listen, th- this is fine, you know, when we're we're playing, uh, you know, uh, a particular team. I mean, if it, it's if it's you're playing the Hornets, you know, you know, playing the Lakers down. Uh, you know, you're, you're playing different. The Heat, you lose to the Heat. Uh, you beat the Magic, who are down. I, I don't know if there's great satisfaction. I think you have to be really, really careful about wins against teams who are missing players. And if all of a sudden we take a, you know, we, we look at the stature of a win like that and we get excited and think we're somewhere when we're really not. And it's kind of like fool's gold. And, and, and I've had that experience where you go through the stretch of a season where you're playing teams that are under 500, struggling, missing guys. You start thinking that, hey, we're, we're pretty good. When in, when in actuality, you know that uh, that is like fool's gold. I mean, it's, you know, if we won, that's great, but we need to be better. Take a look at the other things that determine whether a team is going to be able to sustain this, like defense, you know, how are we defending are we still moving the ball? Uh, if we get a little bit sticky with the ball and we're not playing with the kind of chemistry that we had in the past, uh, that does worry you as a coach. And coaches have a responsibility to make sure players understand that. So uh, peaking against who? That thing is probably where I would look at it. Who are we peaking against? You know, I mean, we, we, there are some givens right now that the Jazz should. You know, they're a team that's capable, like you take over the last four games. I mean, they beat the Hornets soundly. Uh, they beat the Lakers soundly. Uh, and that was a good win. I mean, they, they played well together, did a lot of good things. Uh, then, then they go to the Heat, who is hungry as can be, who's won seven or eight games in a row. They weren't just going to show up there and shoot 32% from the three and beat them. And that wasn't going to happen. It, it just wasn't. And the Heat are a pretty good team that, have kind of struggled with the protocol, struggled with uh, Butler being hurt. So they go there, and they, and, and they don't play a, a, a great game. Now, I don't know if that was a mental thing, or let's give the Heat credit. They're pretty good. They were in the finals last year in the bubble. They struggled with injuries. Dragic has been out most of the year. Uh, all of a sudden, he comes back and goes for 26. So I don't know what the mindset was. I mean, it's harder to win on the road, no question, but easier this year in COVID where you don't have any fans. And then, then, then they play a really, really mediocre Magic team uh, and beat them. So, you know, didn't they go 3-1 and one last week? I think, they, uh, I think they won three games last week. 
So I think all, all in all, you got to be pretty happy about what's going on. But uh, I think you need to be really honest with yourself when you're playing teams that have two and three and four guys out. You still stay with your system, but you can't. You, you get a little bit uh, happy about those types of wins when it counts. When you really do need to be playing your best basketball, somebody sneaks up and you know and, and bites you in the butt, and you, and you lose a game you shouldn't lose. So. Uh, Got to always have that attention to detail, uh, but a win's a win. But I think good coaches, good organizations recognize when they're not playing well, even if they're winning. A lot of that may have more to do with an opponent's roster, their current state of affairs, not having everybody there playing. You have to kind of address all of those things when you start looking at that. But good news is Utah's in a great position. And uh, and I don't I don't think they have the hardest schedule in the world the second half. So they're in a position right now to to win this division and uh, to have home court advantage, whatever that's worth these days. But I mean, if anything, it's just confidence. They, they, they've they've got the confidence and and the chemistry that uh, championship teams need to have. So the Jazz are 6-2 and two in their last eight games. Four of the wins are over quality teams that were very short. Well, somewhere between shorthanded and very shorthanded. Two of the wins were over Charlotte and Orlando, who aren't very good. And then they got to two losses to the full-strength Clippers and the Heat, who weren't quite full-strength but were pretty close. So should they really be feeling good about 6-2 and two under everything you just laid out there? Because... There isn't a win over a healthy, very good team in that group, but there are two losses. Well, I, I, I don't. I think it, this is the time of the year that uh, everyone's cautious. Everybody knows, you know, who, who they're playing, what the circumstances. Well, you have to watch the game, and you can watch the film and go, "Hey, I don't care who we played. The 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 blockouts." The, in, the defensive influences, uh, how we handled the ball screens. We made a lot of mistakes. And that's the beauty of film is, is you watch film. Even in wins, you watch film. I mean, I loved when I could teach after w- winning ugly. Okay? I mean, it's, it's, it's easy to get a guy in and make him feel better and bring him in the office and watch film after a tough loss. And we can learn from that. I, you have their full attention. You know what I'm saying? Sometimes we win games and we get used to winning games and it just feels like, you know, there's not an appreciation for the details of what it took to win a game. And so I, I love to watch games where we didn't really play well. That's a great time to get into a guy about his game, about his effort, about his attitude, about his shot selection, about his execution of what we're trying to do. And, uh, and, and, and sometimes that'll surprise maybe the more immature or maybe not seasoned player. But uh, I always found that anytime the film was always good, especially with even the head coach. I, I just think that I, I tried to spend time watching film with players that were struggling so I could be positive and find something to, to focus on. Or if I was really a little bit upset with the effort, and, and it got disguised by a win, uh, that gave me an opportunity to get into them a little bit and just say, this is unacceptable. I don't, I don't care if we won the game. We can't win meaningful games at the end of the year. They're going to be really important to us. If you continue 
to not switch on that screen, if you continue to not make the extra pass, if you continue to not get back and transition defense or whatever the fundamental is. So um, I've had both. Uh, I, I, it's, it's your own well-being. You know, I mean, in, in, in this business, winning and losing takes its toll on you emotionally, physically. Uh, it, it's hard. I mean, this, this is it's something stuff that gets to you. And uh, so anytime you can be involved with the players after wins or losses to help get your team better, it's a good thing. And so you learn from both situations. Um, you know, truth be told, I'd, you'd always just rather win as many games as you can win and teach the lessons there. Uh, but I find that when the team's not playing well and you sit down with them and you're honest and transparent with them, that they these are pretty genuine <clears throat> players that the Jazz have. This is an experienced group that uh, high high character. <clears throat> You're not, you know, there's a reason they're not having a ton of COVID stuff. I I look at <clears throat> college and NBA and the just and, and sometimes it just can't be helped. But there seems to be a pattern with certain teams where there's a lack of discipline in how they play, and oftentimes. You, it's some of the same teams that you just see on protocol constantly. And and I, I'm not pointing a finger and judging anyone, but I just think you've got to be on top of those things, and, and especially in the, in, the, in the world that we live in today with COVID. So whether it's uh, disciplining yourself off the court, where you go, staying away from the wrong places, to getting better at uh, an individual skill development issue or something that has maybe to deal with an attitude or, you know, oftentimes guys get down on themselves. And then that's what's really needed sometimes really a helpful hand with a coach is, is to help players believe in themselves again. When a guy's struggling, connect the jazz haven't had to deal with a lot of that this year. But in years past, most teams do where guys lose their confidence. That might be the hardest fix of anything. And that's, that's where you look and find the good and focus on that and spend lots of time individually. And uh, and you leave them in the game a little bit longer when maybe they've missed a few shots because you're trying to help them develop and uh, sustain that uh, success that you've had in the past. You do have players occasionally that really lose their confidence in the middle of the year. And uh, that's when you kind of have to, you know, be a psychiatrist a little bit. you got to bring that out in you and making sure that uh, – in a very, very positive way that they know you believe in them. When, when a coach, when there's that kind of trust, you know, we, we hear that word used a lot, trust. And, uh, but the Jazz, to me, are a team that understand their roles. There is great trust and great chemistry. Doesn't mean they can, can't be beaten by another team. Everybody in this league can beat anybody. There's pros. Every team has really good players. So, uh, but I think of the things that uh, are most important to Jazz have those that dynamic. They have that. They have it to the coaches, the players, and that's why they're 27-7. and seven. Uh, So can't get ahead of yourself here, but um, they're in a great position to win the division, but they, they can't take the foot off the pedal. It's not the time to get happy and feel good about things. This is the time to really focus and go, hey, we got to get better. And that's guys talking to each other. That's extra shots, extra reps, more film, uh, being smart with your body, being smart with COVID, 
and doing all those things. And, you know, you, you're in the press of having the best season Utah's had in a long, long time. So uh, that adds a little pressure, I guess. But I think this group can handle that. I want to hit you up a uh, little college basketball. BYU got second place locked down in the West Coast Conference. Uh, you know, looking at their team, I find it really interesting. Uh, five starters, obviously. Uh, four are transfers. Only one's a freshman, one's LDS. Uh, return missionaries seem to be all coming off the bench, but yet Mark Pope has pulled this all together. Uh, it's a little bit of an unusual formula for BYU historically doing this, and having success is great, so you've got to credit him for doing it. But what's your thought on the formula that he's been using, particularly this year, because he basically, these are all new guys in only his second year. It's not like he inherited a bunch like he did last year, but yet he's still having success. Well, you know, I kind of lived through that experience up when we came to BYU out of necessity. You know, I mean, there just weren't any, but there wasn't anybody in the program really. A lot of people left on missions, and the only way that we could even be competitive was to find transfers, to find jukes, to find one-year guys, transfers. And so I really understand that it, it works, and 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 at that time, you know, it, it can be difficult. I mean, BYU could be a difficult place to recruit to. And uh, we didn't have what Utah had going on or Utah State had going on back in the, in the late 90s where all of the, you know, the, the young people and the, the in-state kids for a while, you know, they quit going to BYU. I mean, they just didn't want – that was not an attractive place for them to come to when you got a Final Four Utah team, you got still had good teams at Utah State. I mean, so I get it and I understand it and I know how that process works. Uh, I, I think it's a unique time. I think I think that when you start looking at last year where they inherited that group and how do you replace those three seniors, well, you, you go to the transfer portal. And that that is so different than what college basketball has been in the past. I mean, as far as I know, the, even the seniors this year can come back and play again. Uh, with uh, I, I don't know what the protocols are all going to be, but I know that uh, – Early on, it was like, hey, if you miss part of your season because of COVID or your team isn't able to play, seniors actually have the option to come back and play again next year. So that's like having transfers again. So I'll, I'll be honest with you, the opportunity for me to go and l- look at the landscape of college basketball and see who's in the transfer portals and see how that fits with me uh, in, in our program I I, I didn't get any better than that. And they don't have to sit. And they've already played three years, and they've been in arenas. They've succeeded. they failed. You know, obviously you're not going to take someone with low character or as a problem, but there are a lot of good players in the country who just didn't have a right fit. Or maybe they were in a program like Harms, you know, where something wasn't right there. He wanted a different environment. So you're going to recruit the portal as much as you are going to go watch high school games or junior college games, uh, I, I, th- I don't think that's going away. I don't care who coaches. It, it, that, that's the greatest resource in the world, to be able to go and evaluate talent, look, watch film of players that you know are in the portal, 
And then you look at what, well, here's our needs. I've got two guys coming off missions. They're not going to quite be ready. I got a guy here who's played at, at Louisville, and he's actually played 72 games. Uh, he's a 37% three-point shooter. I mean, you have all the information right in front of you. You can go watch those games. Uh, I, I think that is the best environment to recruit of any time I've seen and been involved in college basketball. I mean, it's a great thing. Not everybody benefits from that. But BYU is going to benefit from it because of facilities, because of the, the independence and the ability to be on TV all the time. Uh, recent successes, had good programs, been to the NCAA tournament. Uh, and it, it's not the kind of commitment that a freshman, a non-member freshman would make. That's not going to happen a lot at BYU. It's, it's happened, but... With the, with the guidelines of the school and, and the honor code and some of those kinds of things, BYU is not going to be the right place for everybody. But that being said, when someone gets on that campus and they come to a game that's packed and they see the practice facility, they meet the guys, and they, 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 there's just a really, really good culture there, and they tell them, hey, there's certain things here that uh, you know we can't do. And they go, hey, I'm, I'm cool with this, man. I, I, I want to get to the league. I want to get to the next level. I want to play in Europe. This is a place I can do that. And uh, it's not like a, a guy's making a four-year commitment to uh, a, a culture that he wouldn't normally be com- you know, comfortable in. And so guys come here. And there's a lot, a lot of people that do agree with the values of our, you know, of, of BYU, where uh, some aren't, and, and, and that's just fine. But I think there are so many more opportunities to, to get good players into a program without having to develop them for three years. I mean, you know, the old days, okay, we get a return missionary. He, uh, in the old days, uh, he played a year, went away for two, uh, spent another year. You know, you didn't get anything out of those guys for four years, really. And now you get guys leaving early, so they get back earlier. You got that going on, which is really a, a great thing for athletics there. You can immediately focus in. They, may, maybe their freshman year, they redshirt, go on a mission, whatever the circumstances. Now you've, you've got that pool of young men. Now you've got a whole pool of other young men, good, good people, good skills, ton of experience, and you blend them in with that. And I say BYU, a place like BYU or any other place that's capitalizing on transfers is going to be better. And they're going to be better quick. You know, you don't have to go through. I mean, we had to go. When we, when we got to BYU, we're trying to figure out how to get the, the good player in Utah. And that was near impossible. And so we did have to go find a, a Terrell today or a Trent Whiting or, you know, a Travis Hansen out of junior college or, we had to go find guys other places. It, the process is just a lot easier right now. I mean, let, let's be honest. I mean, when you can go to a portal, know what's in a portal, have film on them, you can make your team better. So that they taking advantage of that is a really smart thing. And I, I think it's uh, – if I'm coaching right now, uh, I'm really excited about the ability to get a guy that maybe played three years, has developed his game, and just looking for a new environment – and a new start and a fresh start. He's not going to come in with anything but a great attitude and a desire to really showcase his skills, be on a good team, and get to play at the next level. Does that make sense? Yeah. 
Steve, we are going to have to leave it right there. We appreciate your time coming on today, and we will talk to you again next week. Thanks, guys. Have a great week.